This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome back to WNXS News. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story this episode, the hotly debated, long-awaited World Championship has finally been decided. And isn't it nice to live in a world where the top story is the game? It does make for a pleasant change, yes. Three days of the highest-level magic play gave competitors time to truly show why they're on this stage. Despite concerns about formats having too much of the same thing, which we'll get to shortly, the whole weekend seems to have been a successful show of the game. First things first, we'll go to ISO for a full tournament report. ISO? Thank you, kid. Let's get this party started. Day one was a mixture of draft and standard. The draft segment ended with Sam Party on top after a 3-0 finish playing a white-black build. The other dominant face from the draft portion was Andre Strasky, also running a white-black build. The rest of day one was focused on standard play, which was not quite as diverse as some of the qualifying events. 50% of the field ran blue and red, with half of that number splashing black. The standard game rounds heavily featured both Alrun's Epiphany and Essica's Chariot, but the matches were still tight and close. Day 2 was 5 more rounds of standard, with Andre Strasky as the only undefeated player to start the day. He quickly secured his slot with a top 4 with 2 back-to-back wins and was effectively done for the day. The top 4 decks were Is It Epiphany, Teamer Treasures, Grixis Epiphany, and Is It Dragons. Jean-Emmanuel Dupraz plowed through the competition to get to the finals with Teamer Treasures being the only one of the top 4 not playing an Epiphany on their deck. His opponent in the finals was Yuta Takahashi, who went from 0-3 in the draft portion to be completely undefeated all the way to the finals. It didn't stop there, as he became the newest world champion, earning the trophy and his likeness on a future card. This was the fulfillment of a lifetime dream, as he has been an avid player and fan of the game since the early days of Pro Tour play. While we don't truly know what the future of competitive magic will look like, it can't be anything but bright with players like him along. Kit? Thank you, ISO. The World Championship didn't just show the strong level of play that exists at the top of the game, it also showed how a combination of the internet and recent play design has caused a lot of similarity across formats. The two most prominent examples of this are the cards Essica's Chariot and Alrun's Epiphany. Essica's Chariot is a vehicle that turns into a 4-4, brings two tokens in with it, and upon attacking, it creates a copy of a token on its side of the battlefield. Alrun's Epiphany is an extra turn spell. Because extra turn spells have been so well received in previous formats. That also makes tokens to go with it. Epiphany is used in a myriad of control decks. While Essica's Chariot is primarily an aggro deck. But both are so prevalent that not only are they all over the ranked match ladder on Arena, but 10 out of the 16 standard decks in the World Championship played Elrond's Epiphany, and 4 of the remaining 6 each had Essica's Chariot. That is a lot of repetition for a single tournament. 
The frequency of these cards in standard play, particularly Alrun's Epiphany, is leading to calls for bans by many players. But just as many other players are calling to let it play out, stating that the format is very new with Midnight Hunt having just released under a month ago. Those same players also point to Crimson Vow releasing under a month from now, saying that the format will get yet another shakeup when it releases. Honestly, this might be one time that the sheer product volume and pace comes in handy. Format shakeups are almost always positive for the game as a whole and give players a chance to try new strategies and builds. So that'll stop people from complaining about the format, right? I cannot fathom why you'd hold out hope for that, but no. No, it won't. Our next story is also Worlds adjacent. The tournament ran well and finished strong, but it didn't have quite a great start. The World Championship was held using MTG Melee as the basic tournament software, including deck registration. However, three days before the event was due to start, mistakes were made. Due to what MTG Melee described as a miscommunication from their team, the deck list for each of the competitors in the World Championship were leaked. They took down the link to them as quickly as they could, but as is expected, it was far too late. Screenshots of each deck list were already spreading like wildfire across the web. The fact that this information, which was supposed to stay hidden, was suddenly available for each person's opponents to see was, as expected, poorly received. Community members within and without the tournament did not hesitate to express their disappointment. Alexander Hain, who has an impressive resume of tournament wins, stated, The fact that WotC can still surprise me even after all these years definitely reflects on the ability of hope to overcome experience. As does you suggesting people will stop complaining about the format. I just want to live in a world that isn't ruled by chaos mages. Is that so much to ask? Competitor Seth Manfield called the leaks upsetting, saying, quote, For the most prestigious and most important event of the year, this type of mistake simply cannot happen. Fellow competitor Gabriel Nassif tried to use humor to lighten the overall situation, tweeting that they did say the world would know. Noted streamer, content creator, and unabashed Watsi critic Seth, better known as Saffron Olive, joined the litany of complaints by saying he wished he was surprised the decks leaked early, but he wasn't. Now, the deck lists are unchangeable after submission, so a mistake like this doesn't seem too bad at face value. After all, you can't change your sideboard to adjust for the decks anymore. But this still gave players the time and opportunity to know how to handle their opponents in advance, letting them know what they should or shouldn't play around during their matchups, or what to expect from their opponents. This all wouldn't have felt quite so bad, if not for the fact that shortly before this, a moment of, shall we say, mistaken identity happened. Yoshihiko Ikawa was one of the featured competitors, but on some of the last few promo articles and tweets, instead of his name, Yuki Ishikawa was listed instead. This happened not one time, but twice. First in the promotional image for the tournament, then in the list of players for the Choose Your Champion event. The Magic Esports team did update the list to reflect the proper player, but the damage had already been done. 
Considering the Killian fiasco back at Strixhaven, one would think lessons would be learned. Alas, that does not seem to be the case. Public mood towards this back-to-back problem was predictively negative, with many calling it out as a racist microaggression. Ikawa himself even tweeted that he didn't know what it meant if they could make the same mistake immediately after sending him an apology email for confusing him with another Japanese player. Other players and community members continued to call out this seeming lack of concern by Watsi for its players, as well as rally support behind Ikawa. Considering this isn't the first time we've seen concerns of racism from Watsi, Not to mention the very recent ableism conversations. Faith in the company is pretty low across the board. And on that note, we'll take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we'll discuss how the magic community has touched its artistic side, a new source for buying magic singles, and more. I hope you like this place. It's gotten really good reviews since the consulate was reformed and people could actually own businesses again. Me too. I've really been craving some chicken vindaloo lately. I am curious to try the butter chicken. I hear it's out of this plane. Mm, that does sound good. Right? Maybe we should start with some samosa as an appetizer. <sighs> There's just so many options. And it's such a good price, too. Ovia's really made this place a good lunch spot. Ovia Pasheri. Homemade eateries. Come on down and try some. Are you worried about home invasion? The cabal has been banished for now, but you never know when they'll return. Or, heaven help us, the Phyrexians. <gasps> What's that? Anyway, at Norin. Home Security Emporium, we have all the options you'll ever need to protect your home with warnings from miles around. For example, this alarm system is the newest unprecedented technological wonder. Hit it! Oh god, it's attacking on exile! <clears throat> yes, indeed. Well, here in New Benalia, Norrin's home security emporium. All you need to protect your estate. Welcome back! Channel Fireball has launched their Marketplace feature a few months after the original announcements. Customers can now choose from many different stores through this feature, so it's a new chance to support local stores if you don't have one of your own. As with any new technology, the debut was not trouble-free. There were some initial display and card listing issues, but those seem to have been resolved. To celebrate the opening of the new platform, CFB is hosting an event called Marketplace Madness. Every $10 spent on the Marketplace in the month of October gives you a single entry into the grand prize drawings on November 1st. Each week in October, we'll also see smaller prizes given away to shoppers, each of which are good in their own right. But the grand prize drawings are on an entirely different plane. For Magic fans, there is a Black Lotus up for grabs, which I personally would just sell to help pay my mortgage for a while. 
Times are indeed tough. There's a sealed first edition flesh and blood welcome to Wraith booster box, as well as a first edition MetaZoo Cryptid Nation box. And another card single prize, a base first edition Charizard Pokemon card. Oh, Pokemon. I remember that game. Do you still have your cards? Alas, the energy vortex got them. Not the mana vortex? Pokemon uses energy cards. Card games have come a long way since 1993, haven't they? Richard Garfield definitely had no idea what he was starting, but I for one am glad he did it. Our next story. For the past several years, October has been a source of artistic inspiration across the internet thanks to Inktober prompts. These are lists of drawing prompts for each day in October, meant to give people extra incentive to exercise their creative muscles. Wizards has jumped on the bandwagon with Magictober, a series of magic-themed prompts. These feature such prompts as Flashback, Decayed, and Eternal Night. The community has come out in huge force for this, and you can find the post on Instagram or Twitter by using hashtag Magictober. Next up, Magic Arena will feature two Harvest Festival events for Midnight Hunt, so we'll go to Diz to hear more about them. Diz? Thank you, Kit. The Harvest Festival events will each be held over their own four-day window, the first of which is Harvest Fair from October 15th to 19th. It'll be a pre-constructed deck event with seven available deck choices and rewards of various card styles. The entry is either 2,500 gold or 500 gems, and you can play as much as you like until the event ends. I think I'll need some spiced cider for this one. You do know it's not really a fair, right? Shh, you'll ruin it for our listeners. Please continue, Diz. The second event is simply titled Harvest Bash and will run October 22nd to 26th. Players who choose to participate will build singleton decks. That's only one copy of each card used for those unfamiliar with the term. In the beginning of your upkeep, you can choose to create a treasure, clue, or a food token. You can't repeat choices, so it's basically just the first three turns, but it gives players a chance to build creatively. This event has the same entry fee options as the Harvest Fair, with a different set of card styles available as prizes. Get... Thank you, Diz. Wizards recently gave us a heads up about prize pool issues to expect for the Innistrad Crimson Vow pre-release events in North America that begin November 12th. Shipping and production delays have affected just about every retail industry out there, and trading card games are no exception. As a result, set booster availability will be delayed through both the pre-release and release times of the set. Set boosters were slated to be used for prize support, but as a result of these delays, players should expect DRAFT BOOSTERS instead. This is likely going to be a blow to those touting the theory that Wizards is trying to kill draft boosters going forward, but as we've stated before, hope of complaint stopping is a very dangerous thing. The pandemic has stopped the Wizards' conspiracy to kill draft boosters by sending the set booster shipment into the Mana Vortex? It's a pandemic, not an inkwell, Leviathan. But strange things awaken in the depths when the world goes sideways, and the time magic bends reality, and the conspiracies trigger upheavals in the fabric of the plains! Do you ever listen to yourself speak, or do you just tune yourself out? I listen to myself speak. Why? 
absolutely no reason. This edition, we're back in the brewery for News Brews. And this edition of News Brews, I am joined by Kevin, a.k.a. Ender. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is our absolute pleasure. Um, So you've brought us a a little bit of spice that's different than normal decks that we get here. We usually get commander decks, but you've brought us uh, pre-modern. Is that right? That's right. Uh, Going back to my my old man days and uh, having a little bit of... uh, older cards that you know it's hard to use but uh, i found a spot <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good point why don't you uh why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh what this deck does where the meat and potatoes lie for it all right well my deck right now is uh it's blue green and i call it wonder dog uh the meat and potatoes are uh wild mongrel along with uh the creature wonder uh recently got a reprint in modern horizons um Basically, it's a blue-green madness deck uh, with the with the sweet spot being uh, you get to throw away wonder with mongrel, get a plus one plus one, and uh, give all your team flying. All right, seems like an appropriate name then. <laughs> um, all right, uh, so what are some of the what are some of the key cards that get you to that end goal, the vegetables, if you will? Well. Uh, Obviously, first we have our, our wild mongrel. He's kind of our engine, but uh, along with him, you have an aqua muiba. It's a one three that you can discard and uh, flip its power and toughness. Um, and, and the extra little veggies that go along with we have uh, basking root wallas. Um, you have arrogant worms, um, along with circular logic and roar of the worm, uh, all cards that are giving you a big benefit for either being discarded and having madness or being discarded and casting with a uh, cheap flashback cost. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say Roar of the Worm and Circular Logic? <laughs> that is correct. Pre-modern is a wild format where crazy things are allowed to happen. Oh my goodness, those are those are names that um that outside of like historic anthology we just don't hear very often. <laughs> That's wow! That's a heck of a combination. Um, where where do you find the opportunity to play this type of format at? Because it's not one that we hear a lot about, just in the community as a whole. Yeah, and this is a tough one. Um, there are lots of places online to find it, uh, but I guess the majority of my playtime comes from my LGS uh, and my group of friends. Uh, we all started playing Magic cards, and you know. Ice Age, or, or or just slightly after, uh, which really dates us. But uh, we have all these cards and don't want to reinvest into standard or keep up with modern and standard. Uh, so we have this uh, a large group of older guys who want to play pre-modern, and uh, so LGS has been my main source of of play. All right, so uh, we know that part of the spiciness of this is just playing a format with not obsolete but outdated cards, just, you know, older stuff. Um, for this specific deck, what would you say is the really uh, the really sweet or spicy that goes into it? Well, uh, I'd say the spice that goes into it, uh, it is my three favorite words in Magic cards. Uh, draw a card. Uh, or, or draw multiple cards, even better. Um the sweet spot in the deck that I've put together is, is I play a standstill, which is a, you know, 
You could if you slap down a quick creature and you play a standstill, you get a mind game with your opponent to try to figure out who breaks that standstill. And even better, when your opponent breaks it, you get to draw some cards. Uh, the other sweet spot is uh, deep analysis, where you can throw it away to your mongrel or your your Moiba, get the additional content or get the additional bonus for the uh, the plus plus effect for the creature, and then later on pay two and three life and, and draw two more cards. Uh, obviously, that's the best best thing to do in Magic, and and it, that's where this deck really gets its uh, its sweet spot by by doing my favorite thing along with attacking your opponent. I- I mean, yeah, I kind of get that. Um, <laughs> woo. Um, all right. Well, uh, that that sounds like a format I might have to try and explore. I have some old bulk that I got from someone else. I might just have to dig around in sometime. Okay. So uh, you've also brought with you a second deck for commander format this time. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, my commander deck, uh, again, I, I love to draw cards, and uh, I found a way to kill my opponent by doing so. Um, I, I have, back to being an old, an old guy with obsolete cards, I have a copy of niv at the Firemind. Uh, with, that's the full text version. Uh, so that's my commander, and uh, basically the deck is uh, kind of about putting him on the board and dealing as much damage in one turn as you can. All right, that sounds like a plan. So, what are some of the uh, what are some of the core components of this one? Well, uh, I guess the real component, uh, the big one, is curiosity. Uh, if you can slap curiosity on your Niv Mizzet, find a way to draw a card, uh, that ends the game extremely quickly, uh, and you get some some extra bonuses by having things like Ophidian Eye and um, some other creatures that that allow you to basically do the same thing. Um, to to give that a uh, niv mizzet the uh, draw your deck and and kill your opponent capability. All right. Um, I mean we see we see a lot of niv mizzet decks out there. Uh, what would you say sets yours apart from the rest, or what makes it uniquely your deck? Ah, uh, boy, that's tough. I guess the one thing that I like to do in my niv mizzet deck, um, uh, that's kind of a little bit outside of the box is, you know, if I find a reason that Niv-Mizzet isn't going to work, I've thrown in a, uh, a Teferi, the creature Teferi, so Teferi Mage of Zalfir, um, and also some artifact tutoring uh, to go ahead and snap up um, Boy, I'm looking for it here, it's funny. Uh, excuse me, Knowledge Pool. <laughs> What? <laughs> if I'm not going to win the game, then no one is going to have any fun. It's basically the <laughs> the deck that I like to play. <laughs> if I can't have fun by winning, no one can have fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's 100% it. And you can't even run a Helix Pinnacle to take real advantage of no one casting spells. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh my goodness. You just got to tap Niv Mizzet 80 times to kill everyone. <laughs> well, and that's really, isn't that the beauty of the whole thing? Draw a card, everybody gets pinged. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like, all right, only 32 turns to go, everyone. We're almost there. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. Well, and, you know, the best part about it is if you do the Teferi knowledge pool thing, it's not everybody that doesn't get to cast spells. It's just your opponents. So, really, I get to play Magic and everybody else gets to watch. And I, I don't mind the audience. <laughs> <laughs> all the greats have to be watched that's right that's right if if tom brady gets a crowd to watch him then why don't i at least get three people <laughs> fair you know it's hard to argue with that logic <laughs> um, on that note i think it's about time we exit the uh news brewery so uh, we'll have your deck lists in the show notes where can our viewers find you or what is something you would like to plug before we go well uh to find me uh it's pretty easy you can go to twitter uh my twitter account is using mcusername uh, a little throwback to Bodie mcboatface who deserves all respect um <laughs> the thing that i'd like to plug is uh one of my close friends is uh, starting up a new uh channel uh risha dan port and uh you can find him at dan d-a-n bodke b-o-d-t-k-e on twitter and he's got new videos and uh streams there all right sounds like a plan thank you again so much for joining us yes thanks for having me our next story in a surprise announcement on October 13th, the historic format got a plentiful batch of updates and bans. A mixture of eight cards, both digital only and paper available, were affected. Historic has had more ban list updates than any single format this year, and this announcement set them even further ahead in the rankings. Tybalt's Trickery and Brainstorm are both fully banned, which took Brainstorm from the suspended list. Brainstorm spot on the suspended list did not remain vacant, however, as memory lapse got shoved into it. Per the rules team, Tybalt's trickery is still enabling too many combo loops for the format's safety and health, and Brainstorm just needed to go. The digital-only cards were not banned or suspended, but were updated to reflect rules changes. Davriel's Withering and Davriel's Soul Broker were both given the same change, with Withering and Soul Broker's ability now specifying target creature and opponent controls. Faceless Agent got a bit tougher, going from a 2-1 to a 2-2. Everyone's favorite dragon aficionado, Sarkin Wanderer to Shiv, also had an ability change, making his second Planeswalker ability now add a loyalty counter, where it previously cost zero loyalty to activate. So he's even more ready to rumble. And last but not least, Subversive Acolyte had a cost change from costing black black to one generic and black, becoming a 2-3 instead of a 2-2, and the toughness boost it gets from activating its abilities is now reduced by one. We can at least accurately say they're trying to pay attention to and balance the format, which was their entire reasoning for the text updates. And which is more than we can say for Pioneer, at least. Our last story is a bit sadder this episode. That's right. Hasbro CEO Brian Goldner passed away at the age of 58 after a lengthy battle with cancer. He spent two decades with the company, 13 of which were a CEO. Goldner left a mark on the company's direction and message and profoundly impacted both the gaming and toy communities. 
We here at WNXS News wish his family our sincerest condolences. Rich Stoddart, a board member from Hasbro, has taken the role of interim CEO for now. That's all this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.